everyone and welcome back to the entry level podcast i'm lindsay bernard and i'm here with my co-host sarah dudley and today on the podcast we are excited to interview casey brooks a brewer at the alchemist in stowe vermont in recent years visiting breweries craft beer and even brewing on your own has become a tourist sweet spot and a passion for the majority of millennials the alchemist was rated number nine of the world's best breweries and Hetty Topper, their flagship double IPA, is consistently rated one of the best beers in the world. Casey is now one of their top brewers, focusing on Hetty Topper in particular, but it wasn't always that way. In 2007, Casey graduated from St. Michael's College in Colchester, Vermont, with a degree in biology and secondary education. How did she end up brewing at one of the world's most famous breweries and one of the world's most famous beers? Well, we're about to find out. Awesome. Thanks for that intro, Lindsay. And we're really excited to talk to Casey today. So I think that we should start off just by asking you, Casey, like what what brought you to the point you're at now where you went from being in education to now a brewer? If you could just give us a little background. Yeah. So I'd say it was, it's been definitely an interesting journey, but one where I've followed my passions along the way. When I first graduated school, like Lindsay said, I studied biology and also got a secondary education degree. So I was able to teach middle school through high school. And as we know, well, I'm, I grew up in Vermont and was hoping to find a job in Vermont, but it being such a small state as young teacher, oftentimes you have to move to a more urban area to get the experience you need to get into a, another type of school. So you did graduate and you actually went into teaching. I did go into teaching. I was teaching, I taught for five years, three in the Boston area and, or two in the Boston area and three down in Brooklyn, New York. Okay. And so when you got there and you were doing the teaching thing, how did it change from you graduated, you were using your degree and now you're a brewer. So walk us through kind of that, that transition point from New York to where you are now. Yeah. So I really enjoyed teaching. I loved it. I had I worked with some great professionals. I loved working with kids. But as I was living my life down in New York, I also found a passion for homebrewing. And it's something I recommend anyone to do that's into craft beer is just learning the process and how the product's made. Being involved with the Homebrewers Guild in New York really got me connected with some of the professionals in the industry down there. Wait, so what was, so can you elaborate a little bit on that community? Just, I'm sure they have them everywhere, but that sounds so interesting. Yeah. So with, within the brewing industry or within the craft beer industry in general, there's a collective of homebrewers. Um, homebrewers live all over the country. Um, and a lot of these homebrewers come together and form homebrew guilds or homebrewing clubs. And it's where a lot of professional brewers have gotten their start. Just brewing a batch of beer from, their kitchen, from their porch, in their garage, with all the raw materials and equipment you would need to do that. Awesome. So from there, it sounds like a networking type thing was able to help you. Yeah, I think through networking first definitely got me on the right track. I didn't really know where to where to start, 
when it came to trying to get into the brewing industry, being in education previous to that. But talking with some other brewers, a lot of them went from home brewing into a brewing school. And there's only a handful of brewing schools in the United States. I was lucky enough to have the American Brewers Guild up here in Vermont, in Middlebury, Vermont. And it's one of the one of the most renowned programs that you can find in our country. So when I found out that it was up in Vermont and I was hoping to move back to my home state, I reached out to the owners of that program to try to see what I could do to, to um, get into their next upcoming class. That's great. So you actually went to a program to learn about this stuff, which a lot, I didn't know this, that I thought it was kind of a passion, like you Google how to do it, maybe talk to a few people, but you kind of did that process first and then you went to school. So talk uh, before you even went to school, talk about that background you had before, because that sounds really interesting. How'd you learn? Did you from other people? Yeah. So brewing, as you know, is can be pretty physically challenging. I mean, you're working with heavy equipment, kegs, malt bags, moving hoses from here to there, but it's also really heavily um, influenced in biology as well as engineering. Luckily, going to St. Mike's, I was able to pick up a lot of the prerequisites for uh, the sciences there. So really, in terms of what I needed to get into the program, I was all set. I know a lot of people that were in the program did have to go back to school to get some of their basic level chemistry and physics done. Wait, that's but, interesting. So the school actually required prerequisites like from, from a major you had. Definitely. They wanted you they wanted people going into the program to come in ready prepared and ready to tackle some of the issues that they would come by working in a functioning production brewery. And a lot of it's doing math calculations throughout the day to help kind of fix different types of equipment that, that might fail throughout your workday. Um, that is that is absolutely something I didn't know. Sarah, did you? No, no. I didn't realize how physically demanding it is either. Yeah, that you actually need, need a science degree because I could not do this, <laughs> if, we're, if we're being honest. Okay, that's awesome. So that got you to the point where that got you to the point where you applied to the program. So talk a little bit about the application process. What that looked like? Did you need recommendations? It kind of almost sounds like to a new school. Yeah, it's kind of similar to applying to an undergraduate university. You did have to fill out an application. You included some different essays within that application on why you wanted to go through this program. You needed the recommendations from a, a previous employer. They weren't super strict on where those came from. But really, it comes down to getting yourself like on that list because the program is so small. They, re- they only allow 20 to 24 students per class, and they only do the class twice a year. So when I oh. signed up, the wait list was already over a year out. However, being a woman kind of bumped uh. to the top of that list because, as you know, if you've gone into any craft brewery, most of the people you see around there have long beards. They look like they just got out of the woods. <laughs> Their flannel shirts on. When you're in Vermont. There's not a lot, there's not a lot of women in the industry even today. So being Can you can you talk a little more about that, Casey? I think that's really interesting. And I think people would want to hear what kind of has that posed any challenges for you specifically as you've progressed in this field? Um, luckily for me, I haven't found too many challenges as I've entered the field. It is a little intimidating at first going into the field and being surrounded ninety percent by men. Um if you're not used to working in in a working yeah. environment that's so skewed to one side, but once you once I've gotten into the workplace, like it's been nothing but welcoming. Like 
the industry, I think, is really open-minded in terms of like how women contribute in the industry. Some of the best tasters, so women that judge beer on a professional level are, are women. And they really have particular palate and just an approach to the industry that is different from. But yeah, that's really interesting. So if you can think back to when you, so you applied, you got it, you got on the wait list. So there was a wait list for the school. There was a wait list for the school. When you got into your class, you said what, there was 24, 25 people in the class. Was it majority women or was it majority of the men? There were three women, including myself. Oh, okay. And they said that was the most women they've had in that class, in a class ever. So typically they'd only have one or two women in a, in a class at, at one time. So it was, it was nice having those other women in the program as well and getting their take and their previous experience in yeah. the industry. We talk about the program a little bit. I'm very curious about this. What, what did it entail? Yeah. So Tests. it's, we, the program that I did was very similar to if you were going to a brewing science program as an undergrad. It was eight weeks long and we attended basically class every day from nine to five at a local brewery in Middlebury. Um, they had classroom space and lab space connected to the brewery in which we accessed. So rather than doing it over a full semester, um, the material is condensed into that smaller two-month period that also ends an apprenticeship at a brewery. So Many of the other students came from all over the country. So they would then return to California or Florida or wherever they were from. And that was set up? And that's set up by the program. So you'll give them a choice of like your top three or five breweries you'd like to internship at. And they'll reach out to those breweries to see if there's an opportunity for you to do that there. That's incredible. I didn't know that. Cool, because it includes classroom experience, but also you have that hands-on laboratory, hands-on inside the brewery. Yeah. mashing in, learning the system, learning how that brewery works. So do you think that, you know, looking back now, do you think that your bio degree at St. Mike's actually, it, it sounds like it really did actually help you excel in this program? Yeah, it's, I mean, I feel really lucky in that I came into the program pretty confident in understanding the actual material, the the books, the book smarts material of it. <laughs> um, what I was more nervous about was understanding the engineering and the mechanical part with it, because I never really had much experience with that in the past beyond tinkering with my home brewing equipment. Coming from teaching, I wasn't working with pumps every day. I wasn't working with some of the industrial size vessels and tanks that we work with every day. So just understanding that aspect and how it worked is probably what made me the most nervous. But once I got in there and started fiddling with clamps and really absorbing what the day-to-day experience was all what was all about, that fear went away. I love that you just said that. So I'll pause you there and say, this is the entry-level podcast. And I'll be honest, I have no idea what even the process of, of brewing would be. And Sarah, I don't know if you do, but I would love to hear kind of, it doesn't have to go into super detail, but what is that process? I think that would be really interesting just to hear because I, I certainly don't know. Yeah. So if I, if, if I want, if I want to go through what the what a day in the life of brewing a batch of the beer that we brew at my brew would be like, each day starts with going up and adding certain salts to our brew water. This is brew water that's treated from the town, but in order to have certain flavors come through in whatever type of beer you're trying to brew, typically you have to add certain salts and minerals to that water to help accentu- accentuate the um, other natural products you're adding. So 
My day starts there, adding the salt to me, and then we'll mash in the malt our gra- or other grains into warm water, into our mash tun. And basically, it's like a big pot of oatmeal, essentially. <laughs> we don't use oatmeal in our beer, but <laughs> similar to that idea of adding grain and water and letting it steep. And then from there, you're going to then move that beer, move that sugary, we call it sugary work, basically the water and the grain mixed together. And we move that, as much of that liquid as possible into our kettle. And that's where, if making like what we make, IPAs and double IPAs, that's where we add our hops to bitter that beer. Because if we were just to boil that beer and, and move it over into the fermenter, it would be way too sweet. We need to have that balance of hoppiness to a beer and malty sweetness to a beer, which all beers um, contain. And so even just those beginning steps, like you learned all of that when you went to this program. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of the processes from home brewing, you can then take over into a professional brewing experience. But the types of equipment you use is very different. And then the the scale in which you're brewing at is much different. You're going from brewing five gallons of beer a day to hundreds of gallons of beer a day. Yeah. No, that sounds interesting. Wow. So from um, from the kettle, you'll then we'll then move our beer to a whirlpool, and with the type of beer we brew, being IPAs and double IPAs primarily, if you want that fruitiness, that floral flavor to a beer, you want that those dank flavors to a beer, you really have to add a lot of the hops on the late end. So after the boil, before that beer goes into the fermenter. So that's really where the magic happens in our brewery when we're adding all the hops to the whirlpool. So this is the secret this of is, the heady talker. <laughs> <laughs> One of our guy talker. listeners want to know this. It's, that's a secret, the secret. it's a secret to any well-made IPA double IPA. Oh, okay. so you're adding you're adding those flavors as the beer is as the beer is cooling or after the beer has been chilled. Those are where you're getting all of those fruit flavors. And people think that you've added oranges or lemons or limes mm-hmm. or papaya or any of those types of tropical fruit flavors to a beer. So you're really getting actually, you're really getting all of those flavors from the hops. So the so I'll just use an example. So like the Wachusett's blueberry beer that I like to get, that's not actually well, blueberry juice. That probably is. <laughs> that probably juice. is. Okay. But <laughs> yeah, darn it. <laughs> there are there are there are beers you do add fruit puree to, but primarily most of the IBAs and the IPAs you're drinking on a regular basis do not have fruit added to them. Wow, that's crazy. So. So, okay, so you learn about all this in the, in the program. So going kind of back to that program, how do you graduate? Or how do you, you know, you mentioned that you, you gave a list of, you gave a list of three different breweries that you'd like to, that you wanted to intern at. Yeah. Now, does that program have kind of a program set up with these breweries so that you had a list or did you kind of ask? Um, how did it's, it they do have a list of breweries they've used in the past, but if there's a brewery that's not on that list, they'll reach out to them for you. But they do have relationships with particularly breweries in the Vermont area for people that want to stay here and work. I ended up at a brewery in Burlington, Vermont. It's actually one of the first breweries that ever opened in Vermont after Prohibition called um, Vermont Pub and Brewery. Oh, yeah. And it's still it's still open today. It, it was started by a man named Greg Noonan, who really, if you're in the brewing industry, is like a brewing god. He's one that's known to really have developed the Black IPA, as well as the New England-style IPA that's so popular today. Um, Wait, what's the difference between the New England IPA and the, the Black IPA? I don't know. So uh, Black IPA is an IPA that's also got darker grains in it, so you're going to get that 
kind of those chocolate, burnt, toasty notes into the IPA as well as those coffee fruit flavors. Oh, wow. Um, a New England. That's my, that's my kind of IPA. IPA become really popular nowadays. It tends to be, tends to have a slight haze um, or cloudiness to the beer, and that's primarily from all of the late hopping and dry hopping that, that that type of style will have. So, so your internship, you got to learn a lot from, from this, from this brewery you went to. Definitely. It's uh, a brewery unlike any others. It's very unique. A lot of the equipment is fairly old and it's all pretty much refurbished from old dairy vessels. Kind of definitely like tinkered together, but has brewed great beer for over the last, what, 30 years now. And. From there, I was able to really start networking myself, which I can't say more. Like if you're trying to get into this industry, introducing yourself to as many people as you can and um, can really go a long way. Because even though the industry has been growing at a faster rate than ever, it really is still very small. And owners from one brewery, you know, owners from another brewery, owners from another to another brewery. So if you're just starting out, you know, making sure that you're Putting your name in and talking to as many people as possible is a great way to. I, I would say, you know, we've been talking a lot on this podcast. I'd have to assume that your brand is probably, as you went through school and networking, probably helped get you some of the contacts you had too. Yeah. I think that's important. Definitely. I think so. Kind of my journey started out at the Vermont Pub and Brewery during my internship. And as I left there, I was unsure where I would end up, but I just sent my application resume out to pretty much as many breweries as I could in the area that I knew I wanted to live in and just hope to get some bites back. I was lucky in that the owner of the brewery I currently work at, John Kimmick, he also got to start at the Vermont Pub and Brewery. So having that connection to, to help me connect myself to him, I think is just one way yeah. to kind of get yourself into any type of new workplaces, like, okay, you're where you're at now, who's worked here before you, where are they at now? Is that someplace where you would like to be? Can you use that connection to your advantage? Yeah, that's 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 great. So it's so funny. Yeah, I think networking in any industry is so fundamental. And it's interesting to hear, like, I think how you network in different industries is very different because of like going to certain events or making sure you're making the right connections, especially in a small state like Vermont. I feel like it can be totally different ballgame than if you're networking yeah. in like Boston. <laughs> so it's interesting to hear how that differs. Yeah, and across I agree, Sarah, what I, when you were just talking to you, what I was thinking about was, okay, when you were in school and when you were doing your internship, were you going to a lot of breweries and introducing yourself and like, you know, things like that? Or did you really just do the mailers? Like, what, what kind of things did you do, events or things did you do during school or, or right after? Yeah, no, I definitely, I mean, the one nice thing about working at a brewery is that because it was also my passion and I love drinking craft beer, it's easy for me, like, if I'm going out, um, going out to dinner that night or want to hit up a few breweries, there's my connection right there. So I'm going in, trying their beer. A lot of times the owner is working behind the bar or nearby. so. You're already there socializing, enjoying a product that you that you love to drink and make. Okay, who made this? Can I talk to them? Um, what's your brewery all about? Like, I just got this degree. I'd love like any opportunity that I, I have to be able to come work here. So just having them able to meet you face to face 
I think is really important because a lot of times people will just send their send their resume out to a place, but not necessarily reach out and try to get that face to face time. We're lucky in our industry that you know a lot of times these breweries have tasting rooms where you can yeah. go in, try their products, and then use that opportunity as a way to have some face time. And, and one thing I've noticed from going to, to breweries is that. I feel like the owners are usually there. And, in, and if you go, they, in, in my experience, especially a new one, they always come up and talk to the, talk to everyone. They like to serve. Is that maybe just, I've had good experience. Is that a typical No, no I was, Yeah. I was definitely trying to get at that, the idea that like in the brewing industry, particularly the craft brewing industry, which tends to be smaller, a lot of times you're going into a tasting room and the brew house you're standing in, or is like 10 yards away, oftentimes in production. So even if the owner's not there, which they usually are, there's usually somebody there that's working in the brewery that you can make some FaceTime with. And I think that means a lot in this industry where a lot of it is personal relationships. It's a, it's a small industry, but people that are very passionate about what they're doing. So if they can see that passion within you, but then you also have the, you know, the education and the desire to back that up, then it just puts you one step up. Yeah. So uh, oh, go ahead, Sarah. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to ask, like, um, one thing that comes up a lot of times when people talk about how they went from the, this college four-year degree, then they went on to actually pursue the career they went to college for, but then they make this big shift later on in life to a completely different path that really aligns to their passion. A lot of people talk about how when we decide to go to college, we're really too young to, like, make that call, to make that decision, to, to declare what we're going to do for the rest of our lives when we're 18 years old. Do you think that your college degree helped you get to where you are? I mean, you talked about it a little bit before, or if you were to go back to when you were 18, would you have done anything um, I don't different? think I would have done anything different. I feel really blessed I was able to go to the four-year college I went to and to experience not only what I did in the classroom there, but also what I was able to do socially and in soft life, like soft life college. Like all of that was part of the experience and I would not change it for the world. I think what I learned at my four-year university really did help me along the way. I mean, it was a liberal arts education, so not only am I was I learning biology, not only was I learning how to get along in the classroom, but you're learning all of these other skills, which made it not as um, terrifying as you might think to move from one career to the other. It's scary at first because you're entering, I was entering an industry, I really didn't know anyone. But once I was in there and made a few connections, I knew that what I had done previously was really ha- was really did help prepare me for where I was going to go. Like foundation, you had a good foundation. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, yeah. there's so many different aspects to that. Those four years, or if you're going to grad school, eight, six or eight years that you um, obtain when you're at school, besides just what you're learning in the classroom, that all of these other skills are so transferable to other industries, whether they're similar to what you're already in or if they're entirely different. You'll find a way. And so I just have to say, so you went through this process, you got yourself into that program, you got yourself a good internship, you networked, you made a good relationship. You also had the resume to reach out to the alchemist, which is, I mean, anyone listening, I know if I ask people in the Northeast or even really, a lot of places, a lot of, I think in Nashville and other areas, San Francisco, other areas I've visited, the alchemist is very well known. So you were able to get 
a, a brewing job there and at this great company. So talk a little bit about that. Like what's that, what's working there? Like what's the brand like to, you know, tell our listeners who, who know that beer and that company, the, the good stuff. Yeah. So the Alchemist was started back in 2003 by John Kimmick, who I said also got his start at the place I did my apprenticeship at from Alchemist Brewery. It started as a small brew pub, which they then grew into a cannery with the attention of brewing one of their seasonal beers, Hetty Topper, which is probably what our brewery is best known for. From there, they continued to grow in small chunks until they opened a second brewery in Stowe, Vermont, two years ago. Um, and that's allowed us to not only continue to produce Hetty Topper, but also produce some of John's other beers that he used to brew at the brew pub, which was unfortunately destroyed during Hurricane oh. Irene. So wow. that original brew pub is, not, is no longer open. But what that did was open up the opportunity for him and his wife to really focus on expanding their cannery and getting Hetty Topper as well as some of our other beers out to more of the population. How did I end up there? So I reached out to them initially when I was finishing up my apprenticeship at Vermont Pub and Brewery. And this was before their new brewery was open. So they got back to me right away and said, sorry, we don't have an opportunity for you right now. But reach out to us again if you're interested in a year. We're opening our new brewery. So in the meantime, I really just kind of like put my head down and did the grunt work, got into another brewery um, up in St. Albans, Fortin Star Brewery, which is a great brewery, by the way, as well, and just started from the ground up, scrubbing floors, like calling bags. Entry level. A lot of cleaning, entry level. Like there was not like me sitting in front of the fermenter, sniffing yeah. my gorgeous goblet of beer and like taking tasting notes. Like there was none of that. It was grunt work, a lot of cleaning, a lot of moving heavy things from point A to point B, but really showing them that I was committed and trying to just get into as many different aspects of the brew house as I could, knowing that this would help prepare me for my next step. So when the alchemist was preparing to open their new brewery. I reached out, got the interview. <laughs> Don't know how. I, like I'm saying, like well, a lot of it. How. We know a how. lot of it is hard work, but you also have to count on those good relationships you're building. And I tried to build the best relationships I could That's with great. my previous employers, knowing that they'll put in a good word for me when I need it. And when I went into that interview, like if you're in this industry. John Kimmick's like, God. <laughs> so I was so nervous. And I know everyone's nervous when they're interviewing. But I try to just go in there and just to be as natural and comfortable as possible. And getting that job and working at The Alchemist is the best thing that's happened to me. Wow. Um, they really do a great job of providing as much opportunity for their workers as possible in terms of the benefits we get. The, just the perks. We have our own personal trainer. We have free food in the kitchen. So it's like free, free stocked kitchen with healthy foods. I mean, all of those little things throughout the day that just make that ex working in that experience that much better. So really, so to, it sounds like almost like a dream job that you. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't come without its stresses and heart and the hard work you're still putting in, but they try to take out some of those things that you might you might stress about throughout the day. Like they don't want to have to have you worry about getting food, getting enough food in yourself throughout the day. They don't mm -hmm. want to have to have you worry about sick kids at home. Like fa paid family leaves important to them. They really think holistically about 
person they have um, employed under them and how they can really provide for them a healthy, affordable, comfortable living here in Vermont, which is, it can be tough in, we know these times and in this area, it tends to be rural, having a good paying job yeah. um, in this area, which is what they've strived to do. I mean, it's, it's just incredible. And I know you were being a little self-deprecating earlier, but it, I mean, you, you just walked through the process you went to get this job. So I absolutely think, for my opinion, that you deserve it. I think, you know, Sarah and I like to kind of wrap some of these episodes with some advice. If, you know, let's, we'll use me as an example. I was a accounting major. If I was to ask you, I want to get into brewing beer. What, what are, what's just some high level advice that you would tell me first? You know, where, where would I even start? And for anyone else who's maybe thinking about doing this as a hobby or even maybe thinking to your point of going to school, what's some just, you know, high level advice you'd give to start out? I would say if you're thinking about getting into the brewing industry and particularly becoming a brewer, start out home brewing and see if you like that. Because even though it's at a much smaller scale, you're doing very similar things, cleaning things in very similar ways. Um, those processes are very particular to the industry. Um, and it will give you an idea if you even like, like the it. process. A lot of people just think, I like drinking beer, I'm going to like brewing. And it's yeah. entirely different. The next would be to actually like try to get your foot in a brewery. You don't have to go to a brewing program like I did. I, I went that path, but a lot of people will go in and get trained on the job. It takes a little bit longer to get where you probably want to get to. Mm -hmm. But the majority of brewing, like I said, is cleaning. So you're if you get in there and just start doing the grunt work, moving things from A to B and cleaning, and you still like it, <laughs> then... Keep going. So I wouldn't because, like it. I don't like to clean. I because what people, what people think about with brewing is like we just sit around and like drink beer all day and like yeah. talk about how great it tastes, which is very small part. We do, <laughs> we do enjoy beer during the day, but it's typically at the very end of the day and in small amounts. So it's going there and seeing if you, seeing if you enjoy hauling 55-pound bags into a <laughs> hopper that's going to move that grain from A to B. It's seeing if you like hoeing out thousands and thousands of pounds of wet grain to be taken off to compost. It's seeing if you like going into a kettle and scrubbing burnt sugar off <laughs> of the side of the kettle wall, because that's typically what the majority of your day is. No, <laughs> we make a delicious product in the end, and we all enjoy that product, but it's a lot, it's, it seems a lot more glamorized when you're seeing it in pictures or on, on TV. And that's a great job, and I love it. I love being on my feet all day and working. But that's what I would recommend for people right. looking to get in. It's like, do the grunt work first. And if you like that, keep going. But don't, like, jump in, yeah. head over heels, wanting to start a brewery and just figuring out too late that it's not really what you're passionate about. You know, Casey, I just want to thank you so much for, you know, coming on the podcast and talking about this. Sarah and I talk all the time about, you know, millennials and passions and, and brewery. Craft beer, breweries comes up all the time. So we really, really appreciate you coming on and, and talking about this. But one thing that as we're ending the podcast, we like to do a separate a separate segment so that the audience can kind of get to know us a little bit. We'd like to include you in this today. So this segment to end this to end this episode is gonna is called The Last Drop. And uh, what the last drop is, is Sarah and I joke about this and it's you know, the last thing we drank or a new drink we tried at a restaurant or a bar that we share with each other that we'd like to recommend. So in honor of having you here today, and thank you again, we're going to do the last drop, but beer edition, a special <laughs> beer edition where 
we'll go through and talk about maybe our favorite craft beer IPA and maybe just our favorite, you know, beer you'd order all the time if you could. So maybe Sarah, you wanna you wanna kick us off here since I know you love beer. <laughs> yeah, so my the first thing I was gonna say is that I I used to be more of a beer drinker than I am now, but I, I don't want to talk about the last beer I drank because that was Bud Light at the Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> so we'll skip over that one. But when I do drink beer, it's 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 not too exciting. It's usually like the fruity stuff. I'm not a big IPA person. I sorry, Casey, <laughs> but uh, it, like it's usually some something fruity, like you know, citrusy. Or I think the last one I had was like the Wachusett watermelon, which is in the craft beer world probably like not. I love myself a lot. <laughs> Blueberries, one of my favorites. Too. Casey, you want to go? Yeah. So I'll uh, I'll promote an alchemist, an alchemist beer first, and throw out that right now I'm really enjoying our Skittish, which is a rotating IPA um, series that we're doing. Um, a lot of breweries will brew a beer under a label, but every time they brew it, switch up the hops, and this allows you to try out some new hops. There's always new hops coming into the market trying out some new flavors, some new flavor combinations, and really just seeing how incorporating these different types of hops are going to come out into the finished product. So that's one I'm enjoying right now if you're looking for a new alchemist beer to try. But I would say another brewery that I'm really enjoying right now that's um, local to here in Vermont is Good Measure Brewing out of Northfield, Vermont. They opened a couple of years ago and have really impressed me not only with the different types of beers they're brewing they're not just focusing on ipa which is all the trend right now but all different types lighter beers darker beers farmhouse beers and they're all very drinkable so if you're in um, vermont in the near future doing some beer tours definitely check out that brewery awesome uh, so I'll, uh, I'll i'll give a little plug to my to my home one of my hometowns i went to high school in portland maine and one of my favorite breweries to visit with my brother and his friends, so shout out to him and some of his friends, is Bissell Brothers. And I, I know a lot of people like that one, and it's a really fun uh, brewery. They have a good outdoor um, seating, but their beer, my personal favorite is Swish. I got a couple Thanksgivings ago, the, you're kind of, you're over being with your family, and my brother surprised me and had a bunch of these in his car. And so we, <laughs> we tried them and then visited the brewery the next day. And I really liked it. So highly recommend Bissell Brothers and also the beer Swish. But if I'm going to go with my, a classic, I got to go with the Miller Lite. I mean, I heard, <laughs> and my friends now are really happy that I just said this because they're, they're obsessed with it. They call it America's beer, which I know that's Budweiser saying, but they, they got me hooked on Miller Lite probably eight years ago now. Uh, my brother, and, <laughs> my brother and his friends call it a Miller Lite smoothie and ML smoothie, and I find myself drinking those quite frequent in honor of them. And now I've just grown to like it. So shout out to Chris and, and all and all my guy friends who are listening to laughing right now because I never used to drink Miller Lite. <laughs> but um, yeah. So again, Casey, thank you so much for being on the for being on the podcast. And I, I know Sarah and I it means a lot to us that you took the time. No, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on.